0: Good morning everyone, it's lovely to be with you all. This morning we continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke as part of our Year of Equip, equipping ourselves both to live the life to which Jesus calls us and to share the faith at its heart. We're going to be looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan and asking the question, who is my neighbour? When Jesus calls us to love our neighbour, who does he mean? This parable raises questions which go way beyond the story itself, and it speaks into all our interactions with the world. So let's have a look at the passage. You'll find it in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, and the words will appear on the screen. The parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. "'Look after him,' he said, This passage starts with a lawyer setting out to test Jesus by asking what he has to do to inherit eternal life. I was a lawyer before I retired and I always hated people coming at me with open ended speculative questions like this. There was always a hidden agenda. Jesus tries to wrap up the conversation quite quickly by turning the question back to the lawyer What does the law say? The lawyer answers, love God and love your neighbour. Great, says Jesus. Let's stop there. But the lawyer presses on. And who is my neighbour? Now, Jesus could have said, let's cut to the chase. Who exactly is it that you don't want to be your neighbour? Because that's what the lawyer is trying to find out. Where are the limits on this duty to love your neighbour? If I'm in Mill Road, is someone in Cherry Hinton my neighbour? What about Bishop Stalford, London, New York? This is what lawyers call fun. If there's a very broad obligation to do something, let's pick holes in it. After all, at the moment, we're told you mustn't leave home. But there are all sorts of exceptions which do allow us to go out to exercise and to get food. Maybe loving your neighbour has exceptions too. Jesus, though, thankfully, doesn't dive into the detail. Instead, he replies with this parable. Now, as it starts to unfold, remember that Jesus' audience don't know the ending. They'll realise that the story must end with someone helping the man injured in the road. But as the priest and the Levi pass by on the other side, they'll be thinking that maybe that's going to be okay. They have other obligations like the need to remain ceremonially clean which may trump the requirement to love your neighbour so maybe they think Jesus will explain about that at the end. But the arrival of the Samaritan will have been a bit of a jolt. They'll have expected the third person to be some kind of Goldilocks figure who's able to get everything just right. But a Samaritan The Jews despised and shunned the Samaritans, so how could he turn out to be the hero? The Samaritan's not just good, he's amazing. He goes over to see what the matter is, he dresses the injured man's wounds, puts him on a donkey, and walks him to an inn where he leaves enough money for him to stay where he is for weeks while he recovers, telling the innkeeper he'll pay more if needed. Now Jesus's listeners wrestling with this might think well okay the Samaritan is great of course but his race is actually irrelevant. Jesus is saying we're called to come to the aid of the man lying in the road that's what's important and of course helping the man in the road is really important. So we expect the takeaway to be who is my neighbour? It's that person down there who we will serve with grace and abundant generosity from up here. But Jesus's question in verse 36 is not, who is my neighbour? It's, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Which was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Suddenly, everything's a different way round we don't know where to put ourselves in the story. Are we meant to see ourselves as the person lying stripped and helpless in the road? Are we to imagine ourselves desperate for the help of a stranger, of anyone who will help us? Could the Jews listening to this story envisage a situation where they might be so desperate they'd be willing to accept help from a Samaritan? Jesus is reminding his listeners that they're not the centre of their own world. The world isn't about me and my neighbour, where I am here, and I'm being neighbourly at my neighbour, who's someone separate over there. Loving our neighbours is about mutual, interdependent relationships between people, all of whom are made in the image of God and equally loved and valued by him. As his children, as one family. There are no exceptions. Everyone is my neighbour and I am theirs. So, what does that mean we do in practice? Martin Luther King summed up the message of the Good Samaritan like this I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That first question is so familiar. If I stop to help this man, will I run out of time? Will I get sucked into something that I can't control? Maybe this is all his own fault in some way. I find myself asking these questions in all areas of life, not just when I'm faced with an extreme case of need, as the Samaritan was. I know when I'm dealing with other people, I stop and put barriers of my own in place, things which stop me seeing them as the same as me, as a child of God. It stops me asking what their needs are. This parable isn't just about helping people, It's about getting rid of those barriers, recognising and respecting other people as made in the image of God. I've been reflecting about this in particular in relation to the Friday football sessions at the YMCA on Parker's Peace, which I go to with Danny and with Ben and Aaron, our sports ministry interns. The YMCA hostel provides supported housing to around 80 young people who, for whatever reason, don't live independently or with their families. They have very little contact with the wider community, and not even that much contact with each other. We started the football sessions in September, and each week we put a couple of goals up on Parker's piece and have two hours of football with whatever hostel residents come to join us. We've had some really good sessions, though, surprisingly, I generally stick to the sidelines. There's a couple of things from this parable that have really challenged me about the part I play in that. The first is that thing of seeing other people as outsiders, like the Jews saw the Samaritans. I am the definitive person and you are the outsider. We've all had those times when you feel you've become invisible. You don't fit in because you're a man or a woman or old or inexperienced, whatever it is. When I first came here from Northern Ireland, people would ask where I was from. And when I told them, they'd say, really, what's it like out there? And as if I was from space or something, it was so alienating. But when I think about our football sessions, the guys there are from all over the world, and I'm always asking them where they're from. You're from Namibia? That's so interesting. It's so far away. But they don't seem to want to talk about it. I think I'm saying, I'm so excited to meet you. But what they're hearing is, you may be here, but you are so different to everyone else in Cambridge. And as I've thought about this, I've really felt God saying, Helen, try watching Match of the Day, and then you could at least talk a little bit about football, because that's what we're all supposed to be there for. So while you're thinking about me making notes in front of Match of the Day, maybe think too about where you might be othering people, as they say. Putting up barriers between yourself and them, however unwittingly. Do we talk about things which alienate people? Do we really listen? Or do we discount what people say because of who we've decided they are? Are we loving our neighbours or putting them at a distance? The second area where I felt challenged is where the priest and the Levite cross over. They pass by on the other side. They won't risk coming over to find out what's going on. But the Samaritan comes to see the man in the road, to see if he's in need. For me, the YMCA Hostel is a perfect example of my passing by on the other side. I must have gone past it hundreds of times in the 30 odd years I've lived in Cambridge. That electronic counter on the cycle path actually clicks round every time we go past. But in all that time, I'd never thought to look up and think about who might live there. But then a friend who doesn't go to church asked me to help with something at the hostel. And I was astonished to find these 80 young people with challenging lives were right there in our parish. Perhaps we should engage with them. So, Danny and I talked to the hostel staff, and we agreed that football would be great to get the guys out of their rooms, taking exercise, and meeting some different people. So, football is what we've done so far. And of course, when a specific need's been identified, it's really tempting to focus on that and say, Well, this is better than what we were doing before because that. Was nothing at all. And out of that comes a third challenge. If everyone is our neighbour, everyone is a child of God, everyone is someone Jesus died for, everyone's life can be transformed by knowing Jesus. So whatever we're doing to help our neighbours, sharing our faith story should be a part of that. So now we're talking about how we can build community at our sessions and work more intentionally towards sharing faith after lockdown. So, where are our neighbours in need that we are passing by, hidden in plain sight? People we can serve practically and also share our faith with. Who might God be calling us to with such time as we have and with our money, our prayers, and our witness? I'll finish with a quote about this parable to ponder on in the coming week. The main takeaway of this parable is not love your neighbour by trying hard to be like the Good Samaritan, but rather love your neighbour by realising that you are the traveller and Jesus, the Good Samaritan, has loved you first. Amen.
1: You are worthy Lord let's just lift up a song of praise you are worthy Lord you are worthy